As expected, when Pastor Kurt goes on vacation, things break. No projector on this side, and last night I understand the parking lot lights were out, so. Thanks, Kurt. Hope you're having a good time. <clears throat> so, I don't know if this has been your experience, but many Christmas uh, presents are arriving late. Some of us hasn't even gotten some of them who are coming, that are coming through the mail. Uh, this is uh, because of a couple of reasons. One is... Uh, because of the, the reality uh, that worker, there's a shortage of workers that the United States Post Office is dealing with because some of their, their employees are uh, either on quarantine or uh, are dealing with the COVID-19 illness. Um, and it's because people have uh, stayed home, uh, many people have stayed home, and because they can't be with their loved ones, are sending more packages this year. So packages are, are being uh, delayed. My, my family is uh, dealing with a few of those packages, as are the families of some friends of mine. Something ordered, something promised, something shipped is just not there yet. We, we wait. We check the tracking number online. We watch for the mail truck. We go out to the mailbox, but there's nothing. Whatever frustration you or I may feel because a present either we're waiting for or that we've sent someone hasn't arrived yet, uh, one thing is for sure, an old man named Simeon felt it far worse. He had been promised by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the coming of the Lord's Messiah. Likewise, with a prophet named Anna, <clears throat> an older woman who has been a widow for many years, she never left the temple, Luke says. She worshiped day and night with fasting and prayer. Our uh, good news for this morning's passage is borrowed from an old proverb, but I've also adapted it a little bit. It speaks to the likes of Anna and Simeon and to us in the sovereignty of God. Good things come to those who wait. In the sovereignty of God, good things come to those who wait. That's, that's not a proverb from the Bible. <clears throat> you can find similar statements, but it's not a proverb from the Bible. It's a general proverb, and like all such general proverbs, they're not always true. They're generally true, so we use them to kind of talk about life. Good things come to those who wait is a way of encouraging us to have patience, perhaps for a lost package in the mail, a vacation that we're waiting to take, or even for an old man listening to the voice or listening for the voice of the Spirit to deliver on a promise, <clears throat> or an old woman praying and fasting day and night as they both await the arrival of the Savior of the world. Good things come to those who wait, although their waiting is not a passive waiting. Their waiting is not a passive waiting. <clears throat> Enter Joseph and Mary and their infant son, Jesus. Verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. <clears throat> We're now 40 days after the birth of of, of Jesus. You thought it was only a couple, but we're 40 days past. <clears throat> and that's when the Jewish law prescribed that Mary was to go to the temple, offer a sacrifice for purification. They were also to uh, consecrate the firstborn son to God. Then we're introduced to Simeon. And verse 26 says about Simeon, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Good things come to those who wait. Simeon is waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. He's, he's not waiting as someone who doesn't know if it's going to happen. He's waiting as someone who is expecting it to happen because the Holy Spirit has promised him he will not leave this earth until he sees the Messiah. 
So Simeon waits. Simeon watches faithfully for the promise to arrive. And then one day, verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, the child Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon, by the power of the Holy Spirit, knows that this is the one he's been waiting for. He can now close his eyes in the sleep of death. For my eyes have seen your salvation, he says, which you have prepared in the sight of of all nations. My eyes have seen your salvation. If we've seen Jesus, friends, we've seen God's salvation. For that is how God gets the saving done. <clears throat> but not only has Simeon been privileged to see God's salvation in the face of Jesus, so have all the nations, even the Gentiles, the non-Jews. As we saw in the words of the prophet Isaiah a few weeks ago, Isaiah chapter 40, when the highway in the wilderness is made so that God can come to us, when every valley is raised up, every mountain is brought low, when the rough ground is leveled and the rugged places are made smooth, uh, verse 5 says there, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. To Simeon, the glory of the Lord has been revealed and it is also is going to be revealed to all peoples, to all nations, even to those who were formerly excluded, the Gentiles. But this good news also comes with a warning. Apparently, not everyone who sees the glory of God revealed in Christ is going to welcome him. Verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel. All we have to do is skim through the Gospels, and we can see this play out. We can see uh, right in these pages the falling and the rising of many in Israel. Scholar and commentator Kenneth Bailey reminds us, quote, Around the cross, there flows a river of compromise. Around the cross, there flows a river of compromise. Jesus is surrounded by people who compromise themselves in, in terms of how, uh, how they relate to him. Pontius Pilate, the priests, the soldiers, all fall when Christ is revealed to them. And the true nature of their hearts is revealed. The disciples initially rise, they respond well, but when it comes to Jesus' arrest and crucifixion around the cross where the compromise takes place, the disciples fall. Peter starts out boldly proclaiming his commitment and devotion and love for Jesus, but on the night he was betrayed, Peter denied even knowing him three times. This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. It's, it's all in how we respond to him. The, the glory of God is revealed to us in Christ. The question is, how will we respond? Will we rise in Christ? Or will we allow our unbelief to cause us to fall? What we do with Jesus matters. Simeon's prophetic words also contain a not-so-subtle hint that this king will not rule 
in a conventional manner. This king's, this king's coming does indeed reveal the glory of God for all to see, but the place that glory is most clearly revealed is on the cross. This king in his coming does indeed reveal the glory of God for all to see, but the place that glory is most clearly revealed is on the cross as Jesus was dying. And so Simeon finishes off his words to this couple with the promise of grief to Mary, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This king will be victorious, but this king will not be victorious in the conventional manner. This king will be victorious through suffering and death. But Luke is not finished telling, telling us this story. There's someone else in the temple who bears witness to Christ. Verse 36. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Luke doesn't tell us what Anna said, just that she gave thanks to God and then she went and told anyone who would listen about the child. But Luke's point is likely not merely there to give us a little more information about who Jesus was. He's actually done a pretty good job of that so far in these first couple of chapters. No, it appears that when we look at the larger <clears throat> context of the Gospel of Luke, in this context and in the larger context, one of the things that Luke is very keen on, one of the things he, he wants to make sure we get, is that God comes to both men and women. God comes to both men and women. And that may not seem all that revolutionary or necessary for us today, but it was in Luke's day. Women were second-class citizens, sometimes viewed merely as property. But here in Luke's gospel, both Mary and Zechariah receive visits from an angel, and Mary handles it better than Zechariah did in terms of faith. Both Mary and Zechariah offer songs of praise at the revelation and words of prophecy about the coming of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. And then later on in Luke's gospel, we will see that whenever Jesus is teaching in parables, he often couples parables. One parable will deal with the world of men, traditionally. The other one will deal with metaphors and images in the world of women. Luke is very intentional about making sure all of this is included. The kingdom of God in the coming of Jesus is more inclusive than they could have imagined. And so here... In the temple, both Simeon and Anna play the role of announcing the coming of Christ. So let's look at how this story ends, and then we'll talk about how we might respond to this good news that in the sovereignty of God, good things come to those who wait. Verse 39. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. So, once again, Joseph and Mary are back to waiting. You've got all these wonderful promises that have been delivered, and they're back to waiting now. They're just back at home, raising Jesus, waiting for how the story is going to unfold. They parent the child entrusted to them. They, they do what is theirs to do, and it looks a whole lot like normal life by the way. They are faithful to do it, and they wait. <clears throat> Theirs is not a passive waiting either. It's very much an active waiting. 
It's the kind of waiting we saw in Anna and in Simeon. And when it comes to the work of God in Christ, when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit today, in the sovereignty of God, good things come to those who wait, to those who wait actively for our purposes. Good things come to those who wait actively. As, as we sit poised to enter into a new year, I invite you to engage in active waiting on God and His Spirit. I think we all know waiting for 2021 isn't really going to matter that much. <clears throat> it's just another day in the calendar. It's symbolic. I will, I will cheer at midnight on, on, Christ, on New Year's Eve. I will cheer. I may cry a little because this has been a horrible year in a lot of ways. I would challenge you, as Kim and I did last night, to look back over the year. Yes, it's been a lot of horrible things, but we were able to find some blessings too. Look for those. But if your hope is in getting to 2021, you're going to be disappointed. <clears throat> we need to wait for something else, and we need to do so actively. So I want to give you three possible responses to this good news that in the sovereignty of God, good things come to those who wait. You can do one of them, or you can do all three of them. My hope is that you will at least choose two of them. First, one of the things we notice about Anna is that she was praying and fasting all the time. So why don't we just take a page, maybe just a paragraph from Anna's book, and let's start, as you heard earlier, with that week of prayer, January 3rd through the 9th. If you go to ecclife.net slash connect, you click on the button that says, it's a couple of buttons down that says week of prayer 2021, you can sign up for all sorts of things there. One is to receive a daily prayer email that will lead you in the time of prayer. Um, Another one is you can sign up to take part in 10 to 15 minute guided prayer uh, on Zoom. It will take place every day that week, Sunday through Saturday at noon. And you can uh, sign up to take part in our 24-hour prayer vigil on January 9th and 10th. So let's begin to uh, enter into this new year imitating Anna in the temple just a little bit. Um, And my hope is um, that all of us will in some way engage with this to start with and that you'll pick one of the other two as well. Second, Simeon was spoken to by God's Spirit, and I believe that God still speaks today. God speaks through others in our lives who know Christ. God speaks through the Spirit gently nudging you. God speaks through a book you're reading or a podcast you're listening to. But I think one of the most important ways God speaks is through His Word, through the reading of Scripture. So I want to encourage you to respond in a way, to enter into this act of waiting by making a more intentional step, taking a more intentional step into the reading of Scripture. You can sign up for our daily Scripture emails, which has been around for a while, and some of you are probably getting those. Those emails come to you six days a week. They are intentionally uh, uh, designed and chosen to speak to the sermon text that's coming up, so they will relate in some way to that. You can do that uh, on the electronic communication card, which is in the Bible app and also on our Connect page. Or... If you've never done so, I want to encourage you to select a plan in the Bible app and to plan to read the Bible all the way through. I've read the Bible all the way through once. I have never sat down and said, I'm going to do it again. I just read where I am. Because I got through it once, I'll just pick and choose where I'm going to be now. But I decided, and I've always sort of cautioned people, don't try to do it in a year. You're going to get disappointed. You'll stop because you 
you know, I, I, oh, I got, I got behind too many days. He'll just quit. But I'm doing that this year. I've actually decided that that was something I want to do, is to read the Bible in a year. But if you go to the, the Bible app, has several plans. You can do it, all, believe it or not, all the way from 30 days all the way to two or three years. There's a 30-day, a 60-day, a 90-day. Those are work. But the one I'm using, you can read the Bible in a, a year with 10 to 12 minutes a day. It's not that much. And this is a great secret. <clears throat> if you get behind like I did once, you can either try to catch up on your own or you just hit the catch me up button. It erases all the days you missed. You just kind of start over. You will not get done in a year. Who cares? So please consider that. I find that uh, reading the Bible through, again, whether it's 30 days or a year or two years, gives me a sense of the sweep of God's history, God's work throughout Scripture. And I find it very refreshing. Another option is the Daily Audio Bible, which is an app that you can get. <clears throat> There's a link to that in, uh, in, the, in the Bible app plans in that Bible app live event this morning. Uh, that way you can just listen to um, someone read for you the passage for the day and do it in a year. And then finally, once again, as you heard earlier, we invite you to engage in our next series on what it means to, to live the good and beautiful life according to the teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. That series begins January 10th, and we do have a recommended book study. You can certainly take part in the series without reading that book. We are, our plan is to make it meaningful on every level. Um, but you can also read the book on your own or join uh, with others in a small group online to do that as well. To find out more, as Pastor Jordan said earlier, go to ecclife.net slash connect. Click on the blue button at the top of uh, the page that says The Good and Beautiful Life. This next series of teaching is all about our ECC touchstone of transformation. First one we did in the fall was about welcome. This one's about transformation. And while we are all saved by grace through faith, we cannot earn it. It is the free gift of God to be clear. While that is as true as it's true as it can be, the reality is we do not stumble into or drift into Christ-likeness or Christiformity as we refer to it, having Christ's nature and character formed within us. We don't stumble into it. We don't drift into it. It takes something of us. We have to want to partner with the work of the Spirit. It takes a vision of where God wants to take us. It takes the intention that we have decided in our hearts, this is what I want to do. I want to become more like Jesus. I want to follow Jesus more faithfully. And it takes the means, the methodology. The three things that I have outlined for you this morning are means. They are ways that you can step into it. They're not magic. They are a way that the Spirit, that we cooperate with the Holy Spirit who is working in our lives. If we want to truly experience the abundant eternal life that God has in store for us, even now, this side of the new heavens and the new earth, let us decide to take at least one of these steps in the coming weeks, months, and possibly the coming year. When it comes to the plans and purposes of God, when it comes to the work of the Spirit in us, among us, and through us, good things really do come to those who wait. Good things really do come to those who wait with expectation, with intentionality, with faith, and with engagement. Once again, this is not about your salvation. That is a free gift. It is about whether you want to experience the kingdom life now or put it off till later. Why wait? Would you pray with me as we close? Good and gracious God, we 
give you thanks this day for your love for us in Jesus, for the gift of people that you have called and used in Scripture to teach us about the way you work. We ask now, Lord, that we too would be those who would take our cues from Anna and Simeon who waited for you, who prayed, who leaned into faith and expectation. Help us, Lord God, to take whatever steps we need to do that we might wait for you actively and trust that you are at work in these things and that you will meet us. We ask all of these things in the strong and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.